Jason, I've got some news for you. What's that? Our show, as it is every week, is brought to the people by our good friends, Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Listen, these are some good folk, and they've got a good event coming up. Pillows and Pinot. You betcha. It is May 24th. That is a Friday at 6 o'clock. You get to come for your entry fee. You get a get to custom design a pillow, which has a $100 value. And you're going to get some wine and an opportunity to spend and hang out with your friends. So you get to talk about, like, you can pick your colors, your design. You can just be as creative as you want. And the custom pillow process will be there for you to do that. And the most important thing to know this week is the tickets are now on sale. They are on sale if you go to the Pillows and Pino event page on Facebook. There's a little link right there. You can go and get your picket. You can go and get your tickets. You can go and get your tickets. And if you have some decorating needs in your house, you can head on over to our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Just tell them Jason and Nick sent you. Hello again, and welcome to Lee's Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I am Jason Norbury, and as always, I am joined by a man who is just wearing some blue because he supports the Royals, and for no other reason, it's Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lee Summit. I don't know if you were trying to drop some kind of hint or message there or whatever, but you know, I'm like, just saying there was true a bl- blue, always royal, forever royal, whatever slogan I'm supposed to be saying. There was a blue theme running through the city council chambers tonight. I'm just saying. What? I'm now. I'm going to be the conspiracy guy with the red string from point to point, <laughs> the blue and Nick's shirt drawn over here to that thing and the other. So there, there are uh, uh, some career folk who probably are going to agree with you. Yeah, probably so. Link to Lee Summit is the source for all the news you need about this very fine city, and our unofficial sponsor today is Shock, actual surprise and shock, and we're going to get to that and the reasons for it in just a little bit. But first, Jason. Some news, some tips, some big events coming up. It is a big event this weekend. I'm going to start off with this one. The annual Downtown Bunny Hop Parade starts at 10 a.m. Bring your families. Start it off right in front of City Hall Plaza. You get a little parade, a little picture with the Easter Bunny himself, and you get to our merchants will be out handing out candy, got some special stuff, all that good stuff going on. It's supposed to be a beautiful weekend this weekend, so you're going to be outside. You want to be in your Easter fancies, and, and you want to see the Easter Bunny come downtown and then and then and then you can stay downtown it is special needs day and there is a special event at the jack ray vfw post on douglas street for to celebrate this the special needs day and then if you're done with that you need to come to bridge space because nick and his wife and ben rayo have a special event a live next cancer awareness event from 11 to 5 on saturday at bridge space there's going to be skin screenings the mammogram bus is going to be here. Yep. Nick, what else is going on? We've got music. We've got games. We've got some food. Hey, we've got, are you ready for this rumor? We have cinnamon rolls from Neighborhood Cafe. I'm canceling the rest of my plans. And if you if, if the sweets aren't your thing, we're going to have some hot dogs. And we're going to have some special drinks. The guys at Fringe are going to unveil a special pink cotton candy beer just for this event. Be giving that out. And we'll have a fun little mocktail from our friend Seth down at Libations. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun little event and a chance. Really, here's the here's the big thing: is a chance to get your skin checked for skin cancer. Ladies, you can get your mammograms. 
we want everybody to know how important it is that 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 early detection is such a big big deal we're also collecting hats and scarves to donate to local uh, cancer treatment centers sounds excellent at at longview community college or mcc longview for the official words there is the annual fight flights of fancy kite festival this weekend out there uh, just an absolute ton of kites will be in the sky. It's really cool to look at if you have a chance to go down there. It's one of those cool events just to see like all the kites, that huge number that are out there, and all the cool kite stuff that goes along with it. And that's what's happening this coming weekend. I want to tease a little bit, some good stuff coming next week. I'm going to start, Jason. The, the community conversations are coming back. It's the strategic planning process for the city that we've talked about. Kind of the second round of public input is going to happen starting next week, Wednesday and Thursday nights of next week. And if you want to know more, all you got to do, tune into our Friday edition of Lee Summit Town Hall. That is what we call a tease. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. All right. And... With spring finally getting here, the weather turning, we're getting nice and warm afternoons and nice evenings, it is time for Fourth Fridays to reappear. And we have our first Fourth Friday of the year downtown next week. Bring your kids. The Mesner Puppets will be there doing three shows, one at 5.30, one at 6.30, and one at 7.30 in Howard Station Park. And that goes along with all of our usual Fourth Friday art stuff. You'll see a bunch of our stores open, a lot of different art galleries and projects going on. It's always a great time, and the Mesner Puppets makes it friendly for the kids and gives everybody something to do. All right. Well, let's dig into the show now, Jason. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rip through some news here. First, let's give a little a little look and update on things going on in the school district, the local R seven school district. Uh, one, we we just finished our election, Jason. We have two new board members that were sworn in: Mike Allen, Judy Hedrick, and also at the last board meeting, Julie Doan was elected as board of education president, and Ryan Murdoch was selected as the vice president. I want to say congratulations, but as someone who is the chair of a board like that it's i'm not sure condolences might actually be in order <laughs> but uh congratulations to them and i hope they do a good and thorough job uh of working that board going forward and jason here's the other thing we've talked about the cfmp process i got it right that time that's good hey it's a bright day for all of us <laughs> phase two is now underway it is. So that, that process is going to be ongoing. There, there's lots of public meetings that always come around or meetings and conversations about those phases of the CFMP. I think the one that's the most interesting came out of the board meeting. Uh, there was a, an RFP was approved to be published uh, for a, a consultant to come in to help work through the first stages or the next stages of the equity plan. Uh, interviews on those. So that's out there. Responses will be coming in. They'll have interviews scheduled to happen in a couple of weeks. Uh, it will be on the May Board of Education agenda uh, for the approval on there. I think there's some interesting stuff in there. You can you can pull up a copy of the RFP itself. It's a little general, but that may not be a bad thing for an RFP. Yeah, I think it's interesting to note that um, in the RFP, one of the things that was noted was that equity will be defined during the process once they've hired that consultant. So so I think what it what it shows and I think we saw in the equity plan that was that was approved Jason was that that was really just kind of uh, uh, the skeleton mm -hmm. of it and the actual the 
the goals of the program are going to be set as it goes. Right. And I think there's room for that to be a really positive process, but there's also room for I'm a, I, shenanigans is too hard of a word, but you know, the, the process can be twisted a little bit. So I think it's important for people to pay attention during the RFP process. And as the consultant comes on board to make sure that equity has the definition that the community wants it to have and, and not too broad and not too narrow, whatever that, wherever those boundaries are. But I think that's a really important part of the com- conversation the community should be having to go forward. So it's just a little piece to kind of watch in the early stages and, of the plan. And I like that to me that, 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 that's a good thing. I like that this is this is giving an opportunity to continue the the conversation in the public sphere and to let people be involved in that. Right. I think, and that goes to some of the I think uh, voice some of the campaign uh, discussion that was had about making sure that the process is very ground up, and and we should be able to do that. You know, people go in, and and honestly, the best way to get be a ground up process is for the people who are the voters and the taxpayers to go and make it that way. So we want to see them out there and just keep keep everybody in tune to make sure we're, we know what we're getting as we go along. And on that same note, while we're talking about the schools, Jason, I want to hear from the people. I kind of want some input as well. What what other what are the school topics we should be talking about? What are the conversations related to to our youth and our our local schools that that we need to be bringing forward into the public sphere? Is are there some other topics that we're missing? We've kind of been focused on two or three things lately. Are there some other things we should be talking about? Right. And I, I mean, we have ideas and we have things that we would like to see and we may be able to push around and, and do that. But I think it's really important for the listeners and the, and the people in the community to use. I mean, that's what we're here for in part is to make sure that those voices get heard and we get to hear an interesting and cool stories about things that are going on in our district and our community. All right, Jason, here we go. It's time for... It's the return. The return of As the Council Turns. That's right. I'm bringing it back, baby. Two years in and we still don't have theme music. I am disappointed. I I will accept the blame. All right. I've let you down that. Before we get into the big topic, I'm going to make people wait again. Boy, you are are like... It was like, it's right here. No. Yeah. It's right here. No. Yeah, I'm not being very nice. But before we do that... and I think this is important that we, we have this topic first because it's going to set the table a little bit. A piece of news came came out last week from the Rules Committee that the City Council is now considering dropping the use of Robert's Rules of Order during their meetings. Okay, so let me let me nerd for just a moment. The Robert's Rules of Order can is I, a- Can I just place a call to, to, to Bob Johnson? Yeah. Well, he'll, he'll explain us what's in Robert's Rules of Order, but I'm just going to say a big overview of what it is. So that is the – those are the procedural rules – that uh, are ostensibly designed to guide the way that the council does its deliberations and its com- uh, conversations and discussion. We are all pretty – most people that have been in some kind of organization on some committee or commission or board somewhere, you probably follow this. And right. It's, it's familiar to us all as a way to conduct a meeting. So one of the things that came out of the conversation about this is that it was pointed out by one of the council members – that may really, in terms in practice, that don't really follow Robert's rules, which has limitations on how many times you get to speak on any given topic and some other things of that nature. And so the their question was, and the, the charge to city attorney Brian Head was to maybe look at writing or rewriting some of the procedural rules to match the way or to, to better guide what we're doing. It's an interesting debate. Do we need to change the rules to match the behavior 
Or do we change the behavior to match the rules? Right. And that's a question that's out there. And we'll just point out, having been around, you know, we're so old, we remember. By the way, I, I, I was around in 1982, too. Yeah. Well, I was, too. But I was 10 and don't know what I was doing. And I <laughs> certainly wasn't watching anybody's city council meetings. But uh, I think, you know, keep in mind, go, go back a year ago. When the council decided to, at the last minute, essentially gut all of the enforceable and usable uh, provisions of the ethics rules that they had drafted for themselves. And so maybe letting the council pick and choose their own rules or deviate from these may not be the best idea. We'll see. Now, now, to be fair, that was a different council body. It was. So this is a different group. We'll have to wait and see. But I think this is another thing where people should be paying attention to, to, to how the council acts and and how they're how they're setting this up, we talk a lot, Jason, about how the city council handles their discussions and their debates. Right. And speaking of that, and speaking of that, it was a big night for a city council meeting on Tuesday. It was the big item. The big item. We've been talking about it for a long time. A proposed. Multifamily apartment project at Second and Douglas in downtown Lee Summit. Jason, this was this was this was highly anticipated by a lot of people. Let, let, let's set it up. It had gone through s- several public hearings. It had gone through the Planning Commission. It had gone to City Council for Pre-Development. It had gone before TIF Commission. TIF Commission voted a recommendation. A recommendation not to approve. The public financing. Okay. So keep in mind there are, there are two pieces to this. There's the the development piece, the plan, the pretty drawings. Pre-development plan. And there is the financing piece, which is how much of an incentive, if any, will the city grant this developer to make the development go? And and we've had last council, they or a couple councils ago, they had the public hearing for the development piece and they had all the presentations about the, the pretty pictures and what have you. And then they, they delayed any votes on that to this council so that it paired up with now what we had tonight, which was the public hearing on the TIF and the LCRA, the incentives itself. And the way this works, Jason, was there really wasn't much point of getting to the pre-development plan if they were going to deny the TIF. Right. Well, I mean, and that certainly is, A, A, that's an important legal argument that has to be made that the development won't happen but for the existence of the incentive, but also as a function – Certain a number, or certainly a few, fair few of the council members were unwilling to vote on the project itself without taking on the incentive piece first, because I think that's where they thought they might be able to make it go away or dispose of the unnecessity of having to go through the big hoo ha about the the PDP itself. Right, and I think here's what everybody knew going in: is this really Jason? This all was going to focus on one council member. And the reason for that was because of the TIF Commission's decision a few weeks ago. Correct. Because of the recommendation of denial, that means that the council had to have a supermajority of votes in favor, which means they had to have six votes in favor instead of the regulation five. Uh, it was pretty clear that from you know the prior looks at this, that there were three council members who are pretty steadfastly against, uh, I think, almost any incentives, but uh, specifically incentives to a residential project like this. And there were five council members, including the, and the mayor, including the mayor, that were generally in favor of this project um, as a whole. And and 
council member Faith uh, had expressed some, I think, some significant reservations about approving this type of project. And, and I went, so in the end, there were, you know, there were an hour and a half or more of uh, presentations from staff and the applicant, some questions from the council members for staff and the applicant. There was another hour and change or so of, of public testimony. The vast majority, as it turned out, in favor, which we're going to get back to. Um, and at the end of that, when they opened it for discussion, the first person up was Craig Faith. And I, I think that was on purpose. One, I think he knew that he was the vote that mattered um, in this, or the vote that was going to make the swing one way or another. And I'm going to give Craig Faith some credit here. Um, not just because he voted the way I wanted him to vote to reveal my biases on this particular project, which I think I've done repeatedly. Uh, but also I think he gave a, a fairly lengthy conversation and really talked about these are the pluses and the minuses and, and the, you know, the reasons to do something for something and how I viewed it. And he kind of walked through all the, all those things. I think it's worth noting that that's not an easy position to be in. Oh no. And for pretty much two weeks now, he has been inundated with people wanting to visit with him and sway him one way or the or or another. And he may never have been so popular before, right? And you know, the, these are the things that probably make one decide whether or not they want to run for office again. Yeah, I think Craig needs to tell that story to everybody who's thinking about running for city council. <laughs> so, so I, I think it is it, it's worth noting that, and 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 he appeared to have done a very good job of taking all of that in. And then explaining pretty clearly why he came to the decision he did. Right, and he was. I think he said, you know, this project does all these wonder, all these things, and does it all. And and we're in favor. I'm in favor. In the end, he said, and I'm going to vote in favor of it. There was a lot of clapping. Um, There's a lot of clapping actually during the whole uh, the whole event, which is, you know. Um, not generally the thing we're supposed to be doing, but eh, whatever. The mayor let it go, so it goes. Yeah, and one of the things he said was. Was that he looked? He looked at that but for analysis, which you which you talked about at the, at the very beginning of our our conversation, and he made a point of saying for this particular project it made sense to him, and that's why he changed his vote and made it a six three vote to push that project forward. Right, and so we're gonna all that. There was a lot of people there. Um, a, a lot of uh, support was voiced for the project. Like I said, the, the balance. And so I will say this is now as someone who got almost no public input at the planning commission level, and all of this has appeared at these last things, it would have been cool to see some of that mobilized a little bit earlier. But I think as a whole, people who are in favor of a project or think it's, you know, kind of generally a good thing, don't get as motivated to get out and support it publicly at these public hearings as the people who are upset by the project and would like it to not happen for whatever reason. It's a lot easier to get that gumption to move when you're, when you're a dissenter, when when you don't like what's happening. And I think even you and I are probably guilty of that when we talk about people getting up and get coming forward is, is that we, you know, it's easy to get riled up when you're upset. Right. Absolutely. But, but what we saw this time, which was encouraging to me was that it was pretty equal numbers. Right, and I think there was a you know at the TIF commission it was it was more balanced um, than even it was tonight. But I would say this: I think this is a time where people actually cared about this project happening. I mean, as it was repeatedly said, this is a fifteen or twenty year goal of the city and of downtown to get this done. And I think a lot of people got up and they understood that if they didn't give their voice that this project wasn't going to happen, and then the follow through was that that there might not be any project at all in the future. 
And, and that gives you that the sort of existential fear that the people who are against stuff tend to get to a little bit easier. And it would be great if we could just have people come who have an interest in it to say, hey, I think this is a good project or I think it's a bad project without having to get all the way to the existential fear part. But, you know, it was nice to see people out. And, and let's give a lot of credit to the, our members of our public for coming, but also for being civil, informed, on point the council did a pretty good job of, of handling that with a minimum of um, back and forth between certain members on the dais. And, and, I, and I thought they did a really good job. So in this case, the rules, as currently structured, did a good job and gave us a good, a good product, a good discussion that was out there. And I think it really did help council member faith specifically to make a decision. This was a lengthy, lengthy city council meeting on Tuesday night. And well, you just usually repeated yourself. Usually (laughs) you and I are going to make fun of that a little bit, which we probably still will anyway, but I think they did a good job of managing. And this was one where, where it was not lengthy because of, because of, of of poor management of a meeting that just, it just took time to get through. Right. Everybody got up. There were just a lot of people who wanted to say, wanted to have their three minutes and that's okay. And you know, Mayor Mayor Baird made a good comment on on the public and and that they were informed and and for the most part all pretty much on topic, which is what you want to see. I mean, it was you really couldn't have asked for a a better snapshot of how the process process should work. Right, except for going back a couple months and having those people show up to planning commission. But <laughs> listen, you got to let it go, Jason. No, I don't. Just no, I don't. I want go. you. I Here, want you people to come and talk about these things. Here's my question for you. Pull out. The Magic 8-Ball, Jason. What does this mean? What's this mean going forward when you look at not just this project, but other similar projects and things going around? Well, I mean, what it means is that we'll have the second reading of the uh, of the bills <laughs> up at the next council, and they'll vote to approve them, and then there'll be some stuff. All right, no, I'm just kidding. I, I know. Longer, Way to take the easy, I just, easy answer. I couldn't resist. Hey, by, right? by any chance, are you an attorney? Uh, just a little. Um, what I think it, it's an interesting question, right? The the phrase "slippery slope" was bandied I, about, and can I, can I just say as a, 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 a as a word guy, yeah, can we can we find better cliches? First of all, I want to say this: it's not a slippery slope. What it is potentially, and this is the question: it's the first project of this nature that's asked for and received this kind of incentive in our city. Okay, so there has not to, heretofore every project that has gotten a, a, a TIF or something like that has had uh, that has been primarily or the TIF has gone to primarily public or commercial infrastructure type stuff. This is the first time it's gone to a a private residential like parking structure type thing. Now, as things work, everybody in the development industry will tell you that if you don't get some sort of incentive to help offset the cost of the parking garage, you're not going to have a project like this in a downtown area, which is this is the kind of project that a downtown would want. So if there is demand, and that's a question that's still to be out there, if there's demand for another project downtown, another similar size to scope project downtown, will the council you know, will this council, if it comes before this council or, or a very similarly structured folk, how is their response going to be? And the answer is, I don't know. They made a lot of point to say, hey, this is not setting a precedent that we're going to approve every one of these that comes through. They were all very clear that this was a special thing. The fact that it was a church property that pays no taxes and even though it's going to have all this TIF, 
it's still going to pay more in taxes than the church property did, which was zero. So there's some special circumstances to that that aren't going are, are very, very, very unlikely to be repeated in the downtown area. I don't know of any other churches that are going to be for sale anytime. And it's certainly not sitting on a whole block um, in downtown. So I don't think we're going to see anything come right away. But if it is, it's, it's a question that is on the minds. And, uh, you know, my day job is in KCK and KCK set a really interesting standard on that. When they did their legends thing, they offered uh, they their big one of their big incentives to one of the I'll call them one of the major box retailers. You there, you know, you'll you'll know which one. And and that retailer passed on it. And so they went to one of the competitors, the one with the red circles, if you want to um, and said, Hey, would you like this incentive package to do a building here with these rules and all that? And and that company said yes. And they opened their store and the development, as we all are aware, was a pretty good success. And then that first company, that first big box retailer came back in and wanted to do a development in the area and asked for the same incentive package. And the the commission over there told them, no, this is now we proved that it works. Now you build it yourself. And in that case, that big box retailer did. They built one themselves and they didn't get any incentives for it. And it went on. They could do that. This city council could set that precedent that this is the one we wanted to show that it was worthwhile. And then the next one comes in, needs to pay for itself. Or they could do it more like Kansas City, Missouri has done it or, or Overland Park has done it and, and just say we want that we want more of this and more of this and we're willing to continue to give those incentives to get it. That's their decision. And they made sounds like there would be more on the this is the one time deal. But we'll see when we see. One. But I, I think the, the key there is that is that they will probably be reviewed individually individually as each project comes along correct and it's and there's and no it doesn't have to be uh well if you if you did this one you have to do them all right and and that's the thing either way right and there and that's the thing is that the council needs to keep in mind and anybody like that keeps in mind that there is no they, they're not setting a rule for automatic granting of incentives right even the conceptual packages and all that are just guidelines that are met, and if the council doesn't feel that the project is worthwhile or worth the incentives, they can say we don't like this one. You know, either do better or no dice, right, and build it yourself. So they have that option. Uh, I would say, as a whole, the council's behavior before this one has been a little bit more. You know, if it meets all the rules, we're we're pretty good with it as a whole. So we'll see if they take a, a somewhat different stance if. We see a second project, a second downtown apartment complex that wants to build a structured parking. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this week, Jason. It was an interesting week. It was. And it went. This was our shock. Both Nick and I thought that this wasn't going to pass, that Council Member Faith was going to come in uh, against a residential TIF in general. We were both surprised that the outcome. So just to know, even guys like us who pay just a stupid amount of attention can get it wrong sometimes and the other the other surprising part jason i really i really am i'm surprised but pleasantly so at the way everything was conducted the way everyone handled themselves i think you know we talk a lot about about behavior and tone and tenor and and how we have public conversations this was a good one yes it was so kudos to lee summit that'll do it folks we'll talk to you all next week Today's episode is brought to you by Shred KC. Jason, my journey, I just, I, I just want to keep using the hipster buzzwords. Mm-hmm. My journey continues 
You went to the gym last week. And I went again. I'm going to go again this week. You went I'm twice keep last going. week. It's exciting. It is, and I'm actually lifting weights. All right, so we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a little fun of you, but I'm doing it for a, a bigger picture point. Well, I'm used to the making fun of part. All right, so we were talking off air, and you were talking about how you went in there and and you told Ryan, "Look, I've got a weight restriction on my right arm. I'm still in the physical therapy from the broken arm earlier on the thing." And and did Ryan make you feel bad about that? No, he worked with you. He worked with me. That's what's that's what's great. I mean, you, you know, you when you do the quick judge, right? You look at these guys and you just think meatheads, and like I don't want to go in there with not being able to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating, but that intimidation is taken away pretty quickly. Yeah, and everybody's got a limit of the stuff they can't do. I mean, you know, Ryan cannot appear to be like unintimidatingly large and muscular. And, and that's not really a limitation he's trying to overcome. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, my point is we all have limits, right? We can only lift so much weight. We can only exercise. We can only maybe do cardiovascular stuff for so long before we get winded or, or any of those sorts of things. And one of the cool things about Shred, I think, is they're going to work with those limitations. And they want you to exceed them and, and move past those limitations. But they are not here to judge those limitations. They're here to help you do the things you want to no, do. No, that's the thing is you're not going to be judged and they'll find that limitation and then help you find the plan to push it, to push that boundary and to keep getting better and change your life. Look, that's that's the big thing. And, and, and it sounds as horribly cliche as saying I'm on a fitness journey. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's changing my lifestyle and I like it. I feel better. And, and one that's day. That's the biggest thing. One day. You're going to be able to lift a six-pack of beer with your right hand again. One day. <laughs> I'm going to walk down the street, and I'm going to have a jug of milk in both hands, and it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> That's a weird image, and I think I never want to hear it again. Yeah. So call Shred, call Ryan and Shred, and tell them that Nick and Jason sent you. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link2Lee Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall. <laughs>